The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit podcast, uh, first bite edition. I am an out-of-focus Jeremy Reisman, there we go. Uh, you can. I'm the managing editor slash editor in chief slash whatever you want to call me uh, of PrideofDetroit.com. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. Um, this is First Bite, where we have a very special guest to talk about the Detroit Lions in every possible way, and we have fully shifted to draft talk, so we have a very special draft guest. But before I get to him, let's introduce my co-host Ryan Matthews is here at Ryan underscore POD, voguing for the screen. <clears throat> two podcasts in one day, two for the price of one. That's something like a baseball reference, yada, 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 Akil Badu. Hey, how's everybody doing? <laughs> good, good. And if you missed that podcast, uh, we had a fantastic conversation with Lions running back, oh, yeah. Jamal Williams. You are not going to want to miss that. So if you're listening to these out of order, go back and listen to that one right after you're done with this one. But Let's talk about the draft. Let's talk about our very special guest. You may remember him from his days at PFF, his days on this podcast several times. He was with us for the the draft party that we had last year, but now he's the director of football operations and analytics at FTN Network. Brett Whitefield rejoins the podcast. Brett, it's been far too long. It's been way too long, man. I miss you guys. Uh, we missed you too, man. Uh, I, at least I'm speaking for myself. I shouldn't speak for Ryan. Let, let's get his opinion as well. <laughs> You've been missed. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so today we are going to do a heavy, heavy focus on the offensive prospects in this year's draft class. And Brett um, is, is one of the best experts on the draft out there. So let's just get started at the top of the draft here, because I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on what the Lions um, should do, uh, what maybe what options you think are, are going to be there for the seventh overall pick. And, and who specifically you like. Now, I know even last year you were talking about the Lions drafting a quarterback um, with that third overall pick. I have to imagine you're, you're still feeling like the Lions should be in the market for a quarterback. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if they took a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> well, OK, so let's let's talk about some of the prospects that, that you think might still be there and, and what you like about them or their fit in Detroit. Yeah, for sure. So I think it's pretty clear that the the top two guys, um, at least consensus top two guys, I don't know what y'all's opinion is, but Lawrence and Wilson will be gone with the the first two picks. So then we've got 
um, Fields, Lance, and Jones would be the next three. And I think there's a chance for sure one of them is there. I think that's the way it's kind of playing out. There's a pretty realistic scenario where four quarterbacks go right in a row, first four picks. Obviously, San Francisco is probably taking one. Um, who is kind of the tricky thing? There's a lot of the big heads, whether it's Adam Schefter, Daniel Jeremiah, I've kind of speculated it's going to be uh, Mac Jones, obviously. I think a lot of people think it should be Justin Fields. Regardless of all that, one of those two guys will probably be available for Detroit at seven. And I mean, there's a lot to like about both of them. I think Fields, it'd be really hard for me to pass on Fields if he was there at seven. I could live with them passing on Mac Jones. And what, what do you like specifically about Fields' game? I'm just curious because, I mean, he's he's become such a polarizing prospect. Uh, some of it has been kind of yeah. messy noise of, of, of you know, un, un, I don't know, unsubstantiated rumors. Some people also mm-hmm. had legitimate concerns. I do feel like the Justin Fields hype wasn't there until that great game he had against Clemson. And then it kind of went into overdrive. So, so what do you like about him? Yeah. So uh, there's definitely legitimate critiques of Justin Fields game. We've kind of devolved to the point in draft Twitter where everyone's been sitting around too long, just waiting for the draft to happen. And so suddenly we have sources that say he's got all these work ethic issues and stuff like that. I'm not, I've got no sources like that. I you know, I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm not here to talk about that at all, but I do know that Justin, what he, everything he does well is exactly what you're looking for at, at the NFL level. You know, he's a, if you're a traits guy, he's got all of the traits, whether it's the big arm, the elite, elite level accuracy, the ability to extend plays with his feet, play out of structure, all of that stuff he's, he's very good at. And I think that'd be a great fit on any NFL team, let alone uh, a rebuilding team like the Lions. So in, in terms of like a hypothetical scenario, say that, you know, those first two quarterbacks are Lawrence and Wilson, and then you got Mac Jones going three. If the two guys there are at seven Lance and fields, do you think that there's a preference that you have there, Brett? I know it sounds like maybe you're leaning fields, but for the lions specifically, and as they kind of use Jared Goff as, you know, a lot of people like to refer to him as like a bridge that, you know, gaps from, mm-hmm. from, you know, one or, uh, a bridge that gaps, you know, from, from the now to the future. Like, do you have a preference of, of Lance or, or fields in that perspective? Yeah. Early in the process, I was definitely hot on Lance. Um, the more I watch of him, I cooled a little bit. Uh, I think one thing I've noticed with his tape is he, he doesn't really utilize that incredible arm talent as much as he should or could. Um, so I'd like to see him, you know, rip the ball a little bit more often. I think, um, there's been a few analysts kind of coming around to that point r- relatively recently, but it's something I noticed a little while ago. Um, so I, I, it's really a toss up for me. I, I, I like Lance. I think he's a little bit more raw, but one thing I loved about what he did at uh, North Dakota state was he really, really ran the offense. Well, and he, you know, we hear a lot about Justin Fields getting through progressions. Well, one thing I know for sure is that Lance really did a good job of getting through his progressions. Now, the result wasn't always great, but you can see the the brain working and at a super high level, pre-snap and post-snap. And I think those are really, really good positive things that uh, is a really good foundation for him moving forward. So I kind of like to, yeah, I would, I'd be fine with taking either of those guys. I think Fields is probably a little bit more ready to play right now, though. So that would be, uh, that'd probably be where I would go. Yeah, and obviously the Lions have a little wiggle room there because I do think they're probably going to give Goff at least one year to to potentially win the job there. Um, yeah, but let's let's move over to wide receivers because obviously that's the uh, or should I say pass catchers? 
because we're are going to yes. include someone else in there that that isn't a wide receiver. Okay, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, you look at the mock drafts that have been coming out in the past month, two months, three months, four months, however long they've been going. There's a scenario for all of the wide receivers being there for the Lions pick. There's there's scenarios now where two out of the top three or four pass catchers are gone. Um, sometimes maybe in three. Um, I guess first of all, what's your let's let's get your kind of rankings if you don't mind, and let let's go ahead and throw yeah. Kyle, Kyle Pitts in there. Um, you're assuming your top four are um, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, uh, Jalen Waddle, and Devonte Smith. Um, how would you rank those in preference? I guess it, in terms of their fit with the Lions too. Yeah, so Smith actually isn't in my top four. Um, okay. I have him graded out as a, as a good, very good prospect, but he's not an elite tier prospect for me. So I would have okay. it Pitts, Pitts number one. And then I have a really tight cluster of top three receivers between Chase, Rashad Bateman, and Jalen Waddle. So those three guys, they, they all offer something very different. Um, and I think I'd be happy with any of them. Obviously, I mean, if you just go by draft Twitter consensus, picking Bateman at seven would probably seem ludicrous to a lot of people. So I do understand that. I'm very high on Bateman, so I'd be okay with it. I get that nobody else probably would be, but uh, maybe a trade back scenario that would work out great if, if you could get a Bateman a little bit later. But Chase and Waddle and Pitts, they're all very elite. I would take Pitts first. I think he's the best non-quarterback in the draft. Um, he's not just a tight end. He's definitely, he qualifies as pass catcher. He can play on the outside in the slot. He can play in line, legitimate mismatch, you know, God, and he can win against corners, safeties, linebackers. Doesn't really matter. So Pitts would be my preference. I would take Pitts before any quarterback at seven as well. Wow. Ryan, do your victory lap. Go for it. I need a cigarette. I don't know. <laughs> like I, I'm feeling, I'm, I'm feeling very good um, right now. Um, palms are sweating. Chess is feeling a little heavy. Um, yeah, Are you a I'm, Pitts I'm, guy? I'm, I'm a big Pitts guy. I'm a big Pitts guy. Um, we've uh, we've kind of coined the phrase the pit stop here on the podcast for me specifically because I was really in on Pitts from the beginning in terms of if if the Lions are interested in getting a pass catcher, if if people were okay with getting a wide receiver but totally writing Pitts off the board because of his position, I thought people were telling on themselves. I thought people were saying, like, yeah. you have not watched Kyle Pitts if you think that he's just a tight end. Um, that's a hundred percent true. Yeah. For, for all the reasons that you kind of just listed. So, um, but I, I agree with you in the sense that I think if the, if the lions want to take pits, if they want to take chase, if they want to take waddle, you know, in, in, in recent times on my Twitter timeline, like I've seen people just blowing up about Rashad Bateman and he's been, he's been one of the risers that I think has really caught people's attention in terms of uh draft Twitter. So, uh, seven might be something that, obviously catches Lions fans completely out of sorts. Um, yeah. But I think the, the the pause that I have with Waddle and, and and I've seen some things on Twitter today about the ankle injury and everything kind of progressing with that. Do you have any concerns in terms of durability with Waddle um, in, in comparison to some of those other guys? No, I don't. Um, the ankle thing, you know, I don't know how his medical recheck went or any, I didn't see anything today about that. So I can't comment specifically on that, but no, I mean, he, he's built pretty well for his size. I think anytime you're you're drafting a guy that's got that athletic profile, you're unfortunately, you're always going to be dealing with hamstring injuries and sometimes growing. I mean, even look at Tyreek Hill, the guy everyone's comping him to. Tyreek's always got a sore hammy or something. Deshaun Jackson back in the day always got a sore hammy or something. 
it's a it's unfortunately it's the nature of the beast when you're going to that level of speed because i don't know that we were intended to run that fast <laughs> yeah great point <laughs> okay well let's talk about the two kind of controversial things you, you said in there one being rashad bateman being a top four guy and, and mm-hmm. Devonte smith not being uh, a top four guy let's start with bateman because yeah like ryan said i think there's there's a certain amount of hype really kind of reaching Lions fans in the, in the past week or two. So what, what do you like about his game as a potential seventh overall pick? Yeah, so when I go through the prospects, I have a numeric scoring system and I break down, I have basically five major buckets. I won't go through all of them, but it's, you know, production, athleticism, and then tape score is the big one. Um, and I, w- within each bucket, I've got all of these different parameters in which I grade the prospect on. Um, sometimes with analytical or athletic profile, it's more just straight numbers. But with the film score, you're actually watching the film, breaking it down and, and grading it. And one of the reasons Bateman scores the highest for me, I think, is because he does everything well. There's no particular bucket he scores low in. So it's really driving his score through the roof because of that. And there's really nothing he can't do, whether it's you know he can be your true possession type receiver. He can play X. He's got an incredible catch radius really good route runner and he's phenomenal after the catch for a guy who plays that possession type role all those things make him i I think he profiles as a true number one receiver at the next level which in this class which is very heavy on slot only type receivers i think that's incredibly valuable right and certainly a huge need for the lions considering they don't have a number one right now and really not uh, an established number two either since everyone else is on one-year deals and they have their own kind of red flags um, but let, let's move to Devonte Smith now. Um, is it, is yeah. it just the size? Is that, is that the main concern is that it's such a rare kind of build that, that we don't really see in the NFL? Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit size. Uh, there's a few like analytical red flags, whether it was late breakout, you know, he's a, he's a senior, a lot of senior receivers drafting the first round haven't worked out all that's whatever. I don't, it doesn't necessarily bother me too bad. Um, they are little dings in his overall score, which drops him a little bit for me. But ultimately, I think when you put on the tape, you can see some of those size issues come to fruition when he lined up at X and was able to get pressed. It's not very often you see it, but it did happen. And in the NFL, only gets tougher. And then the biggest thing for me is Alabama just did a great job of scheming him to get him open. I think he is a good route runner. I think he's uh, the way he's portrayed on Twitter. I, I don't think he's quite that good of a route runner. And so I, I just think he's they did a like he he smashed on like these over routes and they would scheme him open using, you know, all these different types of clear out patterns and, and pass concepts. Um, he had a lot of production on screens as well. So I do think he's a really good prospect. I just don't think he's in the tier with those other guys I mentioned. First round talent. Yeah, for sure. He, he grades as a first round player for me. I do think for the Lions specifically, he does fit what they're probably going to want to do. I don't really know what offense they're going to run yet, but I'm guessing it's going to be something similar to what Lynn did last year with the Chargers. Yeah. Um, so if, if you're going to tell me we're going to draft Devontae Smith and we're going to play him in like a Keenan Allen type role and try to get him in space over the middle of the field. I, I love that idea. And if you're going to use him correctly, that would be the way to do it, I think. And, and I think we've seen that kind of recently in terms of mock drafts. We've seen a lot of trading back and the Lions getting Devonta Smith at 15 or getting him at 19. Totally fine with that. Yeah. Totally yeah. fine so, with that, yeah. Um, the last question I have about the wide receivers, Brett, is, you know, with the Lions, as Jeremy already mentioned, Tyrell Williams on a one-year deal, mm-hmm. Brashad Perryman on a one-year deal. It seems like if the Lions draft a receiver, 
they're going to kind of expect him to be ready right out of the box, right from the jump. Yeah. Of those four guys, I mean, which one do you think is most NFL ready right right from the start? Because I think the narrative with wide receivers for so long was that there's a learning curve in the NFL and it takes a while for receivers. But I mean, if anything, last year's draft class completely smashed that. We saw, you know, C.D. Lamb and Justin Jefferson. So like what receiver of those four is really most NFL ready for for production? Yeah, here's the thing, too, about the guys you just mentioned. They came into situations, Justin Jefferson with Adam Thielen, already there established. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one, uh, CeeDee Lamb with Gallup and Amari Cooper already established. So I, I actually was just talking about this with a good friend of mine, John Costco, who is at PFF. We were talking about how ideally when you draft a receiver that high, especially if you're going to kind of try to develop them into your number one and your you know 140 target kind of guy, you'd love them to come into a situation where they're not the number one. Because uh, all coverage is going to basically be designed to stop that guy. Right. So that is worrisome. Um, that's I do like that the Lions played that money ball approach in free agency and didn't just add one mid- middling talent. They actually just threw a bunch of darts at guys with very specific skill sets. I think that could help. So to answer your question, though, I think Jamar Chase and Rashad Bateman are probably best equipped to step in right away and be a, a true number one um, and, and be productive early on in their career for sure. All right. Last uh, position on the offense that I want to talk about um, that that's an option there at seven is obviously the offensive tackles there. A um, couple mm-hmm. of them that, that are options, Penny Sewell out of Oregon and obviously Rashawn Slater. Um, what, what are your overall opinions? Uh, I, I've heard varying opinions on who's one, who's number two. Are those your top two guys? And if so, what, what's the order? Yeah, those are those are my top two guys. There's not a big of a gap between the two as you might think. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also talked to a lot of league people who think that's actually a growing consensus where there's some teams that might even have Slater number one, where and if they don't, the gap really isn't as large as as you'd be, you know have believed a couple weeks ago. Um, I do think Sewell is the better prospect, especially if you're looking just for a tackle. Um, I think the one thing Slater brings to the table that's really intriguing and will be intriguing for a lot of teams is he's versatile, can play left tackle, right tackle, can kick inside to guard. And that allows teams to to get their best five offensive linemen on the field. I think that's a growing theme in the NFL that teams are going for. Um, for me, though, in the line situation, we've kind of seen them try that with a couple, you know, Tyrell Crosby, Vitae, these guys that don't have really a set position and, and they end up getting a little bit lost. I think I'd rather just plug the hole and know I'm getting a tackle and Sewell and just, he's a phenomenal prospect. They both are truly phenomenal prospects, but Sewell is just, he's probably the best tackle prospect we've had in a few years for sure. Um, so I'd love just to be able to, to grab him and plug him in. That's a guy I'm okay with at seven for sure. I'm, I'm going to butcher the quote a little bit, but I, I saw this earlier on Twitter and this is something that was a little bit of a concern of mine mm-hmm. with, with Sewell is that he's such a natural left tackle prospect uh, yeah. it, it, it was Josh Sitton who said something like, if you try to play an offensive lineman out of position, it's like trying to wipe your butt with your opposite hand. So do you have yeah. any concern about Sewell making the transition from the left side to the right side? Of course. Of course I do. Which is why he's not really a target for me. It's a more I'm okay with it, but I, I'm not like actively like, hey, they should draft Sewell. Um, it's interesting, too, because you brought up Sitton. There's also there's a bunch of offensive line contingency on Twitter who says the opposite, where... Hey, if you if you if you can play, you can play straight up. I think Mitch Mitchell Schwartz and his brother are probably two that advocate for that. Like, yeah, it is difficult, but you know, elite level talent is elite level talent. So, 
I doubt at this point too they'd move Decker, um, but right. that would be the other possible option there. And and just to to kind of cap it off with Slater, um, short arms is, is kind of like the big thing that that people have been mm-hmm. saying about him, and and he he'll have to 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 play guard. Do you think he he can stick at the at the right tackle position in the NFL? Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, his arms aren't that short. He is yeah. still within the threshold. Um, he's at the very bottom of it, but he's still within that 33-inch range. Um, but his athleticism is just insane, you know. Um, he's, his footwork is just incredible, and I think he'll be able to mirror, and and I don't think he'll have a problem. You, you don't really see the length become an issue on tape, which that's the first – anytime you have, like, a criticism like that, especially with whether it's Devontae Smith's body weight or, or Slater's arm length, it's like, do you, okay, cool, can we see that as an issue on tape? And I just don't – I don't really see it. With, with Slater, is it really just like that anchoring ability, Brett? I've seen that yeah. as a concern for for him in terms of, but I mean, like like you've said, his his footwork, his athleticism. That's why I think a lot of people see him naturally transitioning and playing guard because he has all that. <laughs> he has that in his toolbox. So, like, is that the main concern? Like bull rushes and things like that. Yep. Yeah, bull rush, speed to power, um, gave him a little bit of problems. I think. He he just he's kind of wired. He wants to play aggressive. He wants to move those feet and get after it. He's pretty he's nasty. I really love that in offensive lineman. I think he can learn to anchor probably fine. Um, it's just something he's he had a little bit of trouble with. So it sounds like you have uh, a lot of options you'd at least be okay with in in the first yeah. round. Is is there a hierarchy overall of just like if this? I mean, it sounds like probably Kyle Pitts is is your dream pick at this point. <laughs> Yeah, Kyle Pitts. I mean, Pitts, Chase, and Waddle. I, I think that's my preferred route. I do love Fields and Lance, um, but the lines of what they did with the Stafford trade is they've bankrolled some assets for next year. Um, I would. I think they're in a really good spot where they can start to lay a nice foundation, and then get the quarterback in play. If Goff doesn't work out, I'm I'm totally I'm higher on Goff than most of Detroit fan base Twitter. People too. Um, I I don't think the step down from Stafford to Goff is is huge. Um, Goff has had he's played some tremendous football in the NFL already. He's only 26 years old, so I have no problem giving him a year to prove it. With the pass catching group they have right now, it's going to be pretty <laughs> yeah. hard for him to prove it. But uh, I mean, shoot, if, they, if they had one of those guys, it definitely gets a heck of a lot easier. So I think that's my preferred route. Uh, one of those three pass catchers. They should be. I mean. They should have a shot at one of those three guys, right? I mean, I don't see a scenario where all three yeah. of them are off the board. So that would be my preferred route. And then Fields would probably be my my backup plan there. And then a trade back is obviously everyone's probably number one preference. They even have like just a nine, pick up a second round pick to move to nine or something. Mm. Um, so the Broncos can get one of those quarterbacks. I think that would be ideal. Still grab a pass catcher and then get another, another guy in the second round. And, and just so it gets to all of our listeners... Rashawn Slater at seven isn't anything crazy. No, not at all. Well, Brett, you just you you're a crowd pleaser right now because you you got me with the trade down talk. You got Ryan with the Kyle Pitts talk, <laughs> and then you got the, the Slater fans in in our chat as well. So, um, good stuff. We're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're gonna get deeper in the draft. We're gonna move past the first round. We're gonna talk about some second day guys, some third day guys at some positions of need. Again, talking offense with Brett Whitefield from FTN Network. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
And we are back. First bite here talking the 2021 NFL draft prospects on offense with Brett Whitefield from P. I'm sorry. I almost said PFF. Not anymore. Not anymore. FTN network over there. uh, The the director of football operations and analytics. Let's move past that first round and now talk about day two because the Lions have three day two picks. Um, That's really where Brad Holmes has made um, a lot of his name be known over there with the Rams. Um, so if the Lions, Lions obviously have to hit on that seventh overall pick, but in order to really do a rebuild, they need to hit on a lot more, including day two and maybe even some day three picks. So Ryan, I know you're eager to talk about some of these day day two picks. So where, where should we start? What position do you want to start at? Well, I, I want to save that for, for a second. Let, let, let's, okay. get something, let's get something out of the way right now. Um, if, if there isn't a guy, like we, we talked about those top five quarterbacks, right? Um, and obviously Lawrence and Wilson, there's no chance the Lions are going to have an opportunity to get either of those guys. Do you think that the Lions should take a chance on any guy, whether it's Davis Mills or it's Kellen Mond? Do, do you think it's worth the Lions investing in a day two or a day three pick in a quarterback? I think the only one I'm interested in is Kellen Mond. Okay. Um, he he might finish my scoring with a first round grade. Oh wow! Okay. So like a late late first, yeah. What what do you so, like so much about him? If you're a toolsy kind of guy, like if you fall in love with the fields and the uh, the lances of the world, I mean he's right up your alley there. Even some okay. Zach Wilson to his game, but he's got the huge arm. He makes those just jaw dropping throws. He's capable of making them, I should say. Um, I, the only real knock to his game is just inconsistency throw to throw um, from an accuracy standpoint. I mean, there's times he'll go through stretches where he's just on the money and then he'll just have complete lapses in accuracy. But for the most part, I, I mean, he's if you if you're a toolsy guy and you want a, a running quarterback, out of structure playmaker, big arm guy. I mean, why not throw a dart at a guy like Kalamont? Fair enough. Um, let, let's, let's just kind of go down the, the position chart here and, and, and go back to wide receivers here, because you mentioned it earlier, it's a deep class, but a lot of them are, are of that speedy slot, um, variety. Let, let's talk, yeah. let's talk 41, you know, pick 41 there. There are obviously going to be some options there. Are there some guys that you see as specific fits for the lines? I mean, obviously the lines have been seeking out speedy guys in free agency. Yeah. You have to imagine that's going to continue into the draft. Yeah, the nice thing about that money ball approach they took in free agency to wide receiver is they have an open can- – I mean, they can draft whatever they want at receiver. If yeah. they find a slot-only type that works for them, that's awesome. They they can draft him and not worry about where he's going to play or getting him on the field. He can doesn't matter. If he's an X receiver, they can get him on the field. It doesn't really matter. So I love that. So basically, I, I mean, depending on really what Lynn is going to do, I don't know if he's making any alterations going – back to a little bit more of what he did in Buffalo or if he's going strictly chargers. But I mean, there's a ton of guys I like on day two. Um, Elijah Moore being one of them. Uh, if you, if you want someone who's got a similar skill set to Jalen Waddle or Ronda Moore, he's got that top end speed. He destroys um, angles and in, in after the catch, he's, he's phenomenal after the catch, you know, you can manufacture touches with him too, whether it's at running back or, or screen passes um, he kind of does it all from that perspective. He's like the slot version of Rashad Bateman to me, actually. Hmm. So, yeah, he's a guy like um, Diami Brown's another one. They're going for deep threat only. Uh, I shouldn't say only, but if they if they want a bonafide deep threat um, to get Goff back on track with the deep ball, I think he's the guy to do it. I think he might be the best deep receiver in this draft, actually, which is wow. saying a lot because uh, Jamar Chase is in this draft. Well, Ryan made a cha-ching kind of 
gesture okay. there. So I'm guessing that's that's who you want to talk to talk about a little more. Yeah, I'll 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 give this one as a freebie away on the podcast before the for my mock draft drops. But I have the Lions um, slotted to take Deami Brown at 41 because I think, you know, it, 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 there there's the top of the wide receiver class. Right. And then once you slide in, you mentioned Elijah Moore's name already. Rondell Moore. Um, I, I think <laughs> maybe maybe Elijah Moore might be a little bit pricier than than pick 41, but. Um, I, I was sitting there in my mock draft and I'm going, all right, Rondell Moore or Deami Brown. And I just talked myself into De- into Deami Brown from, you know, reading, you know, so many uh, profiles about him, watching a little bit of tape uh, on him. It seems like the knock on Rondell Moore is just he hasn't been durable enough. And that's just one of the, the biggest things for me is I always preach the greatest ability is availability. And Rondell Moore was great as a freshman. He, you know, took on Ohio State by himself. And, and came out on top, but uh, Deami Brown, there was something about, I mean, just back-to-back seasons of over 20 yards per reception. I mean, that's a guy who just gets down yeah. the field and is just, you know, throwing haymakers. So um, can you elaborate a little bit more on, on what you like about Deami Brown and, and how he kind of projects in the NFL? Yeah, so the, the Ada obviously is super attractive. He He made a living catching downfield passes in college, from a very good quarterback in Sam Howell who throws a beautiful deep ball. I think Jared Goff also throws a beautiful deep ball. But what, one of the things that I think Diami Brown is so good at is he's got a bunch of really unique tools in his toolbox for how he creates separation downfield. He's got a little nuances to the game. He almost looks like an NFL vet in the way he runs some of those deep routes, whether it's a really sophisticated release package or some of the ways he sets up double moves. He's just phenomenal at creating separation, whether it's early in the route or late in the route. He's just great at it. My comp for him actually is Marvin Jones Jr., who um, obviously has played here for or played here for many mm. years. Um, I think Diami Brown's a little bit more yoked up version of, of Marvin Jones. Yeah, I, I like the sound of that. Um, do, do you have any kind of diamonds in the rough guys that maybe aren't getting enough props on, on draft Twitter or, or maybe guys that you see in the fourth or fifth round? You know, a lot of people are, are fascinated by Anthony Schwartz, a guy with incredible speed, but mm-hmm. um, maybe not as polished. Um, you know, there, there's a whole bunch. Of, I think everyone has their favorite like day three guy because this draft is so deep with athletic guys. Um, is there someone that you think yeah. maybe stands above the rest that there may be not, something more than just speed? Yeah, you you hit on um, one of them right there, Anthony Schwartz. Um, if you if you're a guy who's into Rondell Moore and what he brings to the table and that manufactured touch skill set and just getting that speed in space, Schwartz is a very similar player at it, and it's going to cost you a lot less in draft capital. I think, anyways. I don't know. Anytime a guy runs in the four twos, you have to be concerned he's going to go higher than right. than you imagine. But I do think he's probably an early day three guy and. I would really like Schwartz in a situation where they had already addressed wide receiver earlier in the draft, maybe with a bigger body guy, whether that would be Bateman or even a Terrence Marshall Jr. or something like that. Um, And then grabbing a a guy in Schwartz who can play a little slot. You can get him some of those manufactured touches and try to build some offense that way. So he's one. There's a handful of of slot only types, whether it's uh, a Jalen Darden, um, another speedster, really crispy route runner. Might have some hands issues, but I do like uh, most of what I see on tape from him, other than other than some of the way uh, he strikes the ball with his hands. Not great, but um, Cade Johnson, another one, speedy slot receiver from South Dakota State. Um, Amari Rogers, totally different type of player. Uh, he's like a 
uh, a running back playing slot where he's a yards after catch monster. Um, he's a pretty sophisticated route runner too. He can really do damage in the short and intermediate parts of the field. Doesn't really have that vertical element to his game as some of these other guys do, but it's not, it's not necessarily required from, from the slot in the NFL. My one other name, uh, Brett, that I want you to maybe talk about, mm-hmm. and I've seen him kind of all over the draft boards. Um, Brugler's got him all the way down at like wide receiver 20. PFF's a little bit more. Uh, PFF's a little higher on him. I, I like Josh Palmer out of Tennessee. I was just, I knew you were going as yeah. soon as you said that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Palmer's another great option, on, uh, especially if he's there on day three. I mean, he's a big frame guy, really developed skill set, actually, for how unproductive he was in college. He just played in a really bad program, just egregious quarterback play. It's hard to fault the guy for the lack of production. Um, but, I mean, when you put on the tape and you do see him in action, really, really skilled dude. So that's, that's another, it's a good call. Another guy I'd be definitely elated with on day three. Some of the things I read about him, I mean, you know, he's going up against SEC competition. You mentioned the really yeah. bad quarterback play. I mean, he, he went toe to toe with Patrick Sertain, maybe a lot of people's yep. CB1 in this draft class and and had a had a great showing against him, he even caught a touchdown. Um, Tyson Campbell, another, you know, cornerback that a lot of people are are high on in terms of having traits that that can be coached up um but uh yeah i i like josh palmer just from the stat of seeing how bad his quarterback play like <laughs> it was something like 30 per 37 percent of his passes were like uncatchable passes yeah that were thrown yeah, exactly. his way so i mean like it's one of those things where you start to get into like some of these day two day three guys and it's all about projection right it's all about like totally maybe you didn't get the tape or or maybe even because of these like you know, specific constraints that were under where there isn't any 2020 tape on some of these guys. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I look for too, anytime I'm, I'm trying to nail down some day three guys, it's like either they got to be super diamond in the rough, small school, good athletic profile type guys, or I'm just looking for a very specific skill set that I know you can bring to the table. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other guys like that too. Like I think of a, a Jonathan Adams. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, small school guy. Um, he's like six six, two thirty, and just makes just freaky acrobatic catches all over the field. Um, he's a guy I, I'm pretty sure is going to go day three. I guess you can never say for sure, but man, it's it's hard not to like a guy like that. Um, especially if you're looking for ways to make it easy on your offense, he's a, he could be a good red zone weapon, like right off the bat. Might not ever develop into much more, but if you're looking for a contested catch situation guy and someone who can producing the red zone he you know he might be a good day three option to kind of age your offense in the in the red zone there mm-hmm. um before we move on to the big uglies and on the offensive line um <laughs> i i do want to talk about one one guy only to please our live audience because he's kind of become a uh a special name of sorts in our mock draft thursdays that's racy mcmath do you have any opinions on racy mcmath haven't watched. Okay, fair enough. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, mostly mm-hmm. a joke question anyway. So let's move on to the offensive <laughs> line, um, mm-hmm. specifically offensive tackle, um, because if the lines don't address it in day one, um, it's definitely up there in their, their biggest needs. And um, also a position that I would say is is available to for some talent there, specifically in day two. So talk to me about some of the, the day two talent that you like at offensive tackle. Yeah, and what's what's so crazy about both tackle and wide receiver is it's both position groups are so deep, obviously. Yeah. Um, the reason I prefer that pass catching group in the first round, I think that tier 
there's a bigger drop off from that tier of pass catcher to the next tier is from the offensive tackles to the the second and third tier of offensive tackles. So um, I don't think you're going to find a high, as high of a quality receiver in the second round as you will in the first, where I do think there's a chance you could hit on a, a really good offensive tackle in the second round. Um, one guy that sticks out to me that I think would really fit what they're trying to do right now is Taven Jenkins from Oklahoma mm-hmm. State. Now, yeah. there's a good chance he's a, he's a first-round guy. But if he does happen to slide into the second round, I mean, I would be all over that. Slides right in at right tackle right away. There's no position change needed with him. He's just an absolute animal. Um, really, really insane athletic profile as well. And I know Brad values that in most of his premium positions. So I think that would go really, really well with what they're trying to do. Can block in a multitude of schemes, whether that's counter, power, zone. Very good in that regard. And a, kind of a natural pass setter, too. Are there any are there any tight ends, Brett, that should really even be considered past like Kyle Pitts? Uh, I mean, it seems like there's such a just a precipitous fall. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of Fryermuth, but he's going to go high enough, which doesn't matter. Like lines won't be in on him at all, I would presume. And he's a little redundant to Hawkinson too, okay, in a lot of ways. Yeah. So makes a lot of sense. Um, there's some maybe a later round guy. Um, again, I don't even know. I mean, Tommy Tremble is, is who I'm going with Notre Dame. I don't know if you guys know about this guy, but absolute freak athlete, George Kittle level athlete, um, just absolute monster. But like no production in college. Played at Notre Dame. Um, they have a long history of producing really good tight ends. So there could be some intrigue there. I think with his athletic profile, you could see an NFL team get silly with him and make him a day two pick. I don't really know, but um, I'm not willing to spend that high of a pick on any tight ends other than Kyle Pitts, just because Hawkinson is so good. Uh, there's just really no reason for it. Uh, and most of those guys are true tight ends where, where Pitts is not, he's a, he's a, he's a combo player. He's a mismatch nightmare. I don't really see another one of those in this draft class. Um, let's talk a little bit more on the offensive line. Um, there's a bunch of guys that I feel there's concern that they might be guards at the next level. And again, the Lions have a little bit of flexibility there if they want Vitae to kick yeah. out and be tackle. Um, so just kind of your thoughts on guys like Alex Leatherwood, Jalen Mayfield, um, Dylan Rentz. Yeah, Mayfield, it's really interesting with him. I felt like when I watched his tape, I thought he looked like a very plus athlete. He didn't, he didn't test very well. Um, He's got some arm length issues too, I believe. So I could see him playing right tackle or a guard at the NFL level. Um, I would I would guess that the NFL team is going to try to play him at guard, just knowing how stubborn they are with measurables. Um, another one. Who did you ask about? You, yeah. Did you ask about Raidens? Yep. Yep. Yeah, Raidens. Yeah. Six. Yeah. He's he's an older guy, redshirt senior. I think he's going to be twenty four as a rookie. Um, that always I'm a little concerned. His tape is really good though, but just he's an older man playing against small school, you know, uh, competition. Some interesting yeah. things there. The technique looks like it checks out though, but um, yeah, he's another guy. I think with his frame, I could easily see him playing guard at the next level. In fact, I think like most of your, your, your high level O-line analysts on Twitter think that as well. Like Brandon Thorne's kind of my go-to. If, if I'm looking for, to confirm my biases, I, I, I go to see what he's written. Um, and yeah. I, I think, I think he's got Raiden's playing inside. Another guy you asked about Leatherwood. I think Leatherwood can play tackle. He's, he's really good. Okay. Yeah. I think he's one of the more underrated guys in this class actually. 
Um, sorry, Ryan, you got one quick one before we kind of wrap things up here. I, I was just going to say by design and, and, and purposefully done. We, we didn't talk about any running backs when we talked about day one, but, uh, you know, the lions added Jamal Williams in the off season. It seems like they're running back. The running back stable is pretty much set with Swift and Williams yeah. and, and carry on Johnson. There is an opportunity for an RB four to slip in there somewhere for a depth piece. Um, day day three, I'm assuming. Any guys that kind of stick out to you in our in our mock draft Thursdays? Chuba Hubbard is a is a popular name just because of how you know prolific he was uh, in, in in a season ago. But any guys really pop off to you on day three that the Lions might might scoop up? Yeah, um, and again, it it is hard to pre- like. I don't have a great feel for where these running sure. backs are going to go. I think the NFL is is kind of slowly catching on to the analytical approach of we're not going to draft running back super high anymore. So there's the big three, of course. You've got Najee, Travis Etienne, and, and Javante Williams. Um, I think we're tabling all three of those guys, right? We're not we're not looking at any of those. Yeah. So beyond that, I mean, Trey Sermon's a guy I think uh, gives you some three down potential. Um, brings a unique skill set, really tough runner, kind of like your quintessential RB2 on the roster. He could develop into that for, you know, Jamal's only on a two-year contract. Um, other guys, Kenneth Gainwell. I don't know. See, I don't have a good feel where he's going to go. I could see him going round three somewhere if someone really wants a pass game specialist. Um, it, but it's kind of like the A.J. Dillon effect, right? Like everybody was yeah. like, hey, A.J. Dillon's going to be a fourth, fifth round pick. And then all of a sudden, yeah, exactly. oh, day two. Packers. Cool. All right. Sweet. Yeah, it's really hard. And similar to the receiver class, um, you have a bunch of guys in this class that are just pass game specialists. It's like Michael Carter, Jamar Jefferson, Kenneth Gainwell, uh, Khalil Herbert, Kylan Hill. These are uh, these are more pass game specialist type guys. Um, so while you you might not really find a great true bell cow running back, especially for the people listening that are fantasy driven. There's a lot of good pass catchers you could get probably on day three. One just to throw out there that I know all of you are familiar with because he played for Michigan is Chris Evans. Yeah. Um, and he's an athletic juggernaut. Uh, he was actually very productive when he played it. Um, just kind of, I don't know if, did he miss a full year or something, right? Or miss part of a yeah. year. And yeah, so he, his draft profile is all wonky because of that. But I think, um, oh yeah, and they had the freshman, you know, two years ago that Harbaugh tried to, give 900 touches to and it kind of killed Evans <laughs> draft stock probably but I think Evans is a good player and he kind of does everything he's a, he's a really strong runner uh, phenomenal move set pass catcher he's one of those guys where it's like yeah I think I think he'll be there in day three and I, I'd probably be okay with that um, but I could see an NFL team getting silly with him as well because of the way he tested ultimately though I don't think the Lions should be looking at a running back in the draft amen to that not with the um, Olympics they have yeah Right. Uh, all right. Uh, before we, we close things up, I just want you to give me the ideal combo. And let's say the lines are only drafting offense since we're only talking offense this podcast. The ideal pick one, pick two combo for the lines at, at seven and 41. Okay. And only offense. Um, I will say. Oof. Oof. <laughs> let's go. Um, Let's it's April 14th, Kyle. so you're not tied to it, Brett. All right. All right. For now, we're going to go Kyle Pitts at seven and Diami Brown at 41. Wow. I did Two that just for right. No, I'm kidding. No. Yeah, seriously. Just. <laughs> yeah, I really. I'm serious when I say I really want to give Goff a chance to, to win the job. 
Um, so I think that's the best way to do it. They, their offensive line is pretty good already. They don't have to draft a tackle early. Um, I think we have some some maybe concerns on that right side, but the left side is so good that it's like I'm not I'm not sure they have to do much on the offensive line for them to be good. So, yep. So I'd go pass catcher, pass catcher, Pitts and Diami Brown. Interesting. Kind of love it. Um, before we let you go, Brett, I want to give you an opportunity uh, for those that maybe know you from PFF, but don't know what you're doing now. Tell us uh, about FTN network. Yeah. So FTN network, we're fantasy focused, uh, prop bets, daily fantasy focused. Um, what we're doing is awesome. We've got a bunch of analysts that we provide picks and plays and and fantasy content. That's just really, really good. I mean, we create winners. One of our top guys has won the, the Millie maker three times in DFS, which is insane. Um, so that's, that's the main thing we're doing. What I'm doing at FTN is I'm creating a data department. Um, we've purchased another small data company. I've kind of taken the reins on that um, along with Jeff Ratcliffe. And we are creating another data juggernaut in the space. There's a few competitors out there. Obviously my former employer, there's SIS and some other companies, but we, uh, we've got the guys in place. I've built a really good team already. Um, and I, we'll be hiring again after the draft, but we're, we're going for it, man. We've got, a, we've got an amazing data set. Um, and you know, we sell it to everybody, whether it's teams, business to business, or the consumer who high end fantasy player, high end better, we're, we're selling data packages to everybody. That sounds awesome. That sounds cutting edge, really fun stuff. And for your data heads, uh, something you can't miss. So make sure you're following Brett on Twitter to keep up with all that stuff at BG Whitefield. Um, And then obviously uh, go to FTN network for all. All the the most cutting edge stuff over there. So good to see you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I hope it won't be as long next time before we see you. And then hopefully yeah, we, we can hang out we in person a few too. Miles apart. That'd be nice. So I know it's been a crazy year. Right. But. It's funny because you were talking about Etienne, and I think the last time we hung out was the national championship last year when you were talking about Etienne. No way. Was that long guys. ago that we've hung out? It might, it might have been. Yeah, because COVID hit like a month and a half or two yeah. months after that. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, well, we, you know, hopefully when things go back to normal, we got to get together. Absolutely. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Uh, we will be back with the, uh, we'll be doing another a, a locker room on Saturday mornings. If you haven't joined that yet, download the locker room app. Join us at 1030 a.m. We answer all your live questions and we'll have the big podcast where we talk about the second and third and fourth and fifth rounds. Uh, and then next week for First Bite, we'll be talking defense. So make sure you're followed on all of the Pride of Detroit podcast on youtube on twitch until next time y'all it's chaos be kind